Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, bro. It's Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot for the most controversial personality in pro wrestling, Vince Russo. Stevie Richards Fitness. Hey, don't you think it's time for a band new you? Head over to StevieRichardsFitness.com and join the SRF resistance today. ProWrestlingTees.com. Get the coolest merchandise from your favorite independent pro wrestling talent worldwide. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and support indie wrestling today. Bro, if you're a real coffee lover, then you've got to try Broaster's Limited Edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Available right now at www.thebroasters.com. This limited edition coffee is fresh roasted weekly and shipped directly to your door. You will love the Nicaraguan blend with roasted chocolatey notes when you smell it. Get your Vince Russo Bro Coffee today at thebroasters.com and follow them at Coffee Broasters today on Twitter. Enjoy the best coffee today, bro. From Broasters, Vince Russo Brand, and Hameen Media Group. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Monday, March 16th. Oh, hell yeah. And you're listening to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented and simulcast is your Monday locker room from Hami Media. In association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com and now unleashed at NDPW.com. On this week's show, we're talking Triple H, Will Ospreay, Corona Mania, and of course, your weekly wrestling preview. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, and Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who's quarantined in OHIO. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's that out of the beat of the V, Rick Vickery. And you know what? I, I don't care what's going on with this panic demic. Give me an old hell yeah. It is the holiday of holidays. It is 316 day. Now this, this right here, I know tomorrow gets all the praise. It gets all the attention for being the drinker's holiday, you know, that that amateur hour known as St. Patrick's Day. But it is the day before where us that know how to truly throw down where we celebrate Stone Cold Steve Austin on his way back to Raw to help us celebrate 316 Day. Jarko, as you said, though, the lockdown, has, it has hit Ohio. We were one of the first to be leading the way here. You know what? Thankfully... Thankfully, I can see the great state of Indiana. I can see it. 
So I'll be heading that way. Oh, man. You're like an honorary Hoosier right now. How does that make you feel? Like you got the coronavirus? You know, right now, as much as the love and the admiration that I have shown for the the state of the OHIO, you know, these last couple of days and, and going through what I've seen, what I've had to deal with on the front lines there with those that work inside the hospitality industry. And believe me, you know, you, you really think on the surface about bartenders and, and servers, and maybe you think about the back of the house and the kitchen staff, but this thing runs much deeper. I mean, we're talking about you know, going back in your background, how much did entertainers are going to lose, how much distributors, uh, you know, people that were going and working on the equipment, the marketers. I mean, this is, this is widespread, this trickle down effect. And this is just at the base. You really hit you hit these things. I think you know what's more people are being affected by right now as it is more widespread is the cancellation of schools, and that's at its true base because you know that's really going to hit home for a wider range of individuals. You look out, you know, even outside of something like healthcare, we've already got we have a real issue inside of this country with our education system and childcare. So you hit at that pace, you know, that's really going to strike that nerve with people. That next step over, it is the service industry, mainly with the hospitality. You're going to start to see a, a tremendous trickle down effect. And, and right now it's really getting on, you know, getting on me as you go to social media and you see some people that, you know, may, might not be on that front line where they're welcoming guests in every day and all that, but you know, they're eventually going to feel this thing. And they keep saying, well, you, you people get to get to go home. We still have to go to work. No, you don't have to go to work. You get to go to work. Right. You're you're getting to provide right now, but hey, don't hold your breath on that because you know those that are, you know, working in construction or maybe just repairmen things like that. Eventually, even those that are in retail, eventually these restrictions, these shutdowns, these bans, they're going to find their way to you. It's because people stop spending and stop going out. There's going to be less and less requirement for your services. And you do have a few of those industries, mainly, you know, the health field. And we see, we're hearing that right now is, you know, th these precautions, these shutdowns or to protect the health industry. I don't exactly see it that way. You know, I, I think we should be already be equipped to deal with all these other issues that we that we have. And, and obviously you do not want to pile on. But when you go to such means to induce a panic like this without without truly informing society and the public how to properly approach this, you're going to induce panic and they're going to turn to the medical field for assistance. And that's where you're going to see this flood come from. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, of course, we have some coronavirus stuff that we have to talk about because we have to talk about WrestleMania. Um, we've got a couple other promotions that are suspending operation, but I did try to mix in some good news this week. And of course, today being 316, I want to start off with Stone Cold. And I mean, how can you have a rough time with Stone Cold, right? Huckleberry, what's your favorite Stone Cold Steve Austin memory? Yeah, I, you know, I think it really goes back to... Well, I mean, now let's, we said Stone Cold, the way you phrase it, so I'll, I'll honor that. But I, yeah, I do want to give some credit. Man, he, he was one of my favorites early, early on uh, in my in my wrestling life. Hollywood always Blondes. Took, always took the Stone Cold. The Hollywood Blondes were one of my all-time favorites. You know, Pillman's right up there is one of my personal favorites. But those two together were pure magic. And, and it just you know really jumped out, their feud with the, the Horsemen. Yeah. Oh, man, and, and the flair of old. Uh, segments that they would put together it seemed a little ahead of their time and, and you saw the talent there and, and you saw the potential how great he was in the ring even going over to ECW and just doing those vignettes where you really got to see that different personality and, and you saw 
you know, really planting the seeds of what was the potential for Stone Cold Steve Austin. That might Always be my knows. favorite era of Steve Austin. Like when he was Stone Cold, but he still had all the hair in ECW. Superstar Those promos Steve Austin. were fucking incredible, man. It's Superstar Steve Austin, where you could really start to see that true personality. Because, you know, going back, you know, to NWA, WCW, and, and even, you know, if you got some to watch some of his time in Texas, you know, it was more about that, that end rank, that, that more professional sports approach where you didn't get, you know, you, you, it was rare that you really got into someone's personality unless they were really sitting at the top or they were the, you know, the real baby faces, you know, like the Von Erichs down there. And well, I think even, you know, Austin's time, there, it, it kind of came afterwards, didn't it? I mean, it was on the back run down there in Texas when it when that territory was starting to fade a little bit. Yeah, world class was certainly on its way down during the rise of yeah. Austin. Well, I just think you know Austin. If you know, remember, I think he spent more time with Watts. Uh, but you know, there, there was obviously travel throughout those territories between all of those stars before he made the move uh, to Crockett and and WCW, and and then eventually, you know, happened to just reinvent himself after the neck injury. You know, it, people kind of forget about that. We remember the foul mouth brawler, you know, the can of whoop ass and all that. But, you know, go back into his early days. He was one hell of a technician. And that's what lended to him when he had to switch that style is because he, he practiced the fundamentals, the in-ring philosophies of it and the psychology that he knew how to tell a story. He knew how to draw you in. And, you know, that's something that you truly when you look back on these all time greats that we're missing in today's age. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely completely agree. Austin is also one of these interesting case studies where it's like if one thing goes differently, does Stone Cold Steve Austin happen? And I think as you look back through history, it's incredible to think of all the random coincidences that happened to Austin. I mean, hell, even the launch of Stone Cold Steve Austin at King of the Ring, right? The whole Austin 316 that was never supposed to happen because if the curtain call doesn't happen in MSG, Triple H wins that King of the Ring. Absolutely. You know, that it, can, it changes all of fate, you know, in, in the way that we remember history and how, you know, truly remarkable that run was for WWE. I mean, just think, you know, just not, you know, if we would know Stone Cold or if he would have had that success, what it would have meant for this company had they went with the direction of Triple H. Now you got to kind of believe that no matter what the, the, the cream's going to rise to the top and it's going to find its way there. So maybe we had taken another path. You're talking about favorite moments though. Uh, I'd have to say that right there, you know, that, that, that promo at King of the ring, which inside of itself, you know, Austin leaves the arena has to go to the medical facility on his way back. Uh, PSA's doc Hendricks lets him know, about the promo that that Jake cut, and it's there that in his mind that this thing is born. You know, if all those circumstances don't come into play, I mean, do we even get the Austin three sixteen says I just whooped your ass? Yeah, it's crazy to even think about. I mean, how even going back to WCW, right? Like I put over Eric Bischoff more than anybody I know because I'm a big Eric Bischoff fan, and we recognize that you know he had this crazy eye for talent right because like without you know eric bischoff we never get the ray mysterios we never get the eddie guerreros but man he missed a lot too how many goats how many goats did eric bischoff let get away like because he clearly didn't see it in stone cold steve austin he clearly didn't see it in chris jericho hell he didn't even like rick flair 
Absolutely. And he, and you have to wonder as well too, you know, had he had, you know, hatched, you know, hitched the wagon to them or even made the, you know, made it where it was financially viable and made sense for them to stay with that company and gave them just enough of a position though, would they have reached this, these levels of greatness? You know, in in this weird way, you know, you look at the success and everyone, it's easy to praise those that that, that were that positive influence. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned I was just thinking about this yesterday and I look back. I haven't had a lot of supervisors or, you know, those that you would call a mentor in life, uh, but I've had some damn good ones. But I had one that really stood out to me. It was a supervisor who was absolutely terrible From, from day one. They had done this realignment at work and, and their thought was we'll take, okay, we'll take one of the younger higher level managers and we'll put him with one of the mid-level at this time. It was, a, it's a, it was mainly a kind of a season. I was working for a park district and I'm still working my way up and I'm still pretty young. So I'm only at a part-time level manager's position. So I, I report to a regional manager. So they placed their, their thought was to put one of the stronger part-time managers with probably one of the weaker full-time managers, the regional managers. It, it just, it, it did not work well at all. But just I to be clear, just to now, be clear, are you saying that you were the assistant to the regional manager? Uh, yeah, this is also when uh, it was, I could, you know, help out with my income because I was also running a beat farm at the time. But Fact, bears but, eat beets. <laughs> Shout out to right. Dwight Schrute. But anyway, I, I like, you know, looking back on this, through the negative experiences, I probably learned more uh, about the industry and operating as a manager from how not to do it than I did from those that were excellent at their job. Yeah, no, that's a that's a valid point. I had a manager like that too. Yeah, shout out to Andrew Rue. Uh, but Rick, I, I'm while I'm looking forward to seeing Stone Cold tonight. We do have to talk about Hunter a little bit more because not only do we know that Hunter would go on to be arguably one of the greatest of all time, Bella would like to think so anyway, but Triple H is also one hell of a cameraman. We, we saw that Friday on SmackDown, and Rick, I think this story would have been much, much bigger if it were not for the coronavirus, if it were not for Corona Mania, if it was not for moving everything to the Performance Center. Did you catch this story that Triple H was demoted last week? Uh, absolutely. I, I didn't know it was as far as following the cameraman. Yeah, I know, right? You see that Friday on SmackDown? Hell, they got him doing commentary with Mitchell Cole. I don't think you can fall any further down the ladder than that. Yeah, I mean, that, that you're the new Corey Graves? Wow. But now let's, let's talk. Let's talk about that demotion. Because I immediately, when I saw that, and I took to the, the discussion thread over on Facebook and Omni Media Discussion Group and called absolute bullshit on this thing. Well, I, I have talked to a couple of people over the course of the weekend, and uh, we, we can debate this. Uh, for those who did not catch this story, because like I said, this went really understated in the media last week. Triple H was the WWE Executive Vice President of Talent, Live Events, and Creative. He is now the Executive Vice President of Global Talent Development and Strategy. Basically, Rick, he runs NXT. 
He runs NXT and he's helping launch these new brands of NXT because we keep hearing about South America and Japan and India and the Middle East. And of course, we have the UK already. What do you think? Do you take this as a promotion? Because it reads as a pretty linear move. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm absolutely not going in the direction of demotion. And I would probably lean more towards promotion. I mean, just because and I think that one of the biggest selling points to people that were reading this thing is that he necessarily isn't Vince's right-hand man anymore. That, that they won't be as in tune with things. And I don't even essentially believe that in a sense. But hey, let's not act like handling something is as minimal as global expansion. I mean, think of global expansion, that's a big deal. We got to prioritize where his attentions need to be, especially when you're trying to move in to these very cutthroat markets as Japan, as the Asia, as as, you know, South America. He's going to need to be full steam ahead, fully focused, ready to go. And you look at again, this is people looking down their nose at the potential of what NXT could be. No, they have a bigger vision inside of just becoming its own brand. They want to make this thing a a positioning for global dominance and recreate a territory system under the WWE banner. Well, over the course of this weekend, I reached out to a couple of my sources down at NXT to kind of get their thoughts on what's going on inside of this entire situation with Triple H, as well as what's going on with this coronavirus thing. Um, I have been told that this is basically a quiet demotion, or at least that's the way that people inside of the company are viewing this thing. And the biggest reason for that is because he is no longer in charge of the talent. We know how much the the relationship between Triple H and so much of this talent and how deep it all runs Triple H is no longer in charge of talent. That's the biggest thing inside of the company that has people worried, especially because the gentleman taking over is a gentleman by the name of Brad Blum, who is Vince's chief of staff. He is going to be taking on all of Hunter's responsibilities. Pair this with the Barrios and Wilson resigning here. What was that? Six weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Absolutely. There is some real concern. There's some real concern amongst the talent that Hunter is no longer going to be in charge, and it's basically going to be Vince calling the shots through Brad Blum. Okay, so in, so it's is it so much a demotion for Triple H, or is it are they seeing it as a demotion for themselves that they have lost their guy, that now they are being they're more fearful that this is going to become more of a corporate structure? I think that's a valid point. I think that's absolutely a valid point. So, you know, in that sense, you know, if you're and if you're getting all these different perspectives now, everything that's kind of going on, you know, just even before the, the scare in the shutdowns and these regulations that are being placed, you know, across the globe, uh, WWE was facing a financial, a bit of a financial crisis, absolutely. plummeting numbers. Uh, across the board, you know, just outside of just the general stock that's so easy for us all to look at, you're seeing a decline in live event and merchandise, uh, network subscription, just a, a general loss in, in interest for the company. How much does the TV ratings come into this? 
and that that could be a, that's another factor. That could be it is that you're now you are having more influence from these networks, which are certainly more of a corporate structure. You're getting in Vince's ear. We know that he is very he he gets very trendy on these things. He's going to go with those flows and those hot those hot issues. Uh, you can also throw into play, you know, everything that's going on with him with the XFL and, and Alpha Sports. He probably wants to get everything more uniform in line with that corporate structure, that corporate flow. And at certain times, coming from being one of the boys, one of the girls inside of that locker room, Triple H might not fit that narrative. And it's it this could be just a lateral move at the worst just to try to remove his voice from certain occasions. You know, he's still going to be in there. He's still going to have that influence. Uh, obviously, now with the change in position, though, just not as directly. How much further away does this move Hunter from the top, though? Because doesn't it feel like if Vince were to step down tomorrow, wouldn't Brad Blum take over at this point? Well, I... I mean, you have to have everything get voted in. I don't, I don't even actually know how close Triple H really was. You're talking about a publicly traded company with a gentleman who, his his background, his know-how is inside professional wrestling. And yes, that's what WWE is known for, but let's not forget this. You know, they are publicly traded. Fortune 500, this is a mega company. If NXT is beating AEW in the ratings, does this happen? I don't, you know what, this is again for us being inside the bubble and looking at just from a wrestling aspect, I I would bet that that has very little to do with this. See, uh, you got to look, you got to look at this bigger corporate picture here. I think it has a hell of a lot more to do with it than you necessarily would think. Uh, when we saw Finn Balor move back to NXT, that was a clear positioning move against AEW. And then Rick... It comes down to your precious Shar Shar. They start sending Shar Shar down to NXT. Guess what? She can't outdraw AEW either. This is being viewed as a failure inside of the WWE, no matter how you slice it. And they don't have an answer for it. Uh, well, you know, it goes back to conversations we've had. I don't know if it's a failure with inside the WWE. I think it's more of a failure from the network perspective. Now, you've laid out those numbers for us, Shargo, here if it be on, well, we got the dual cast today, but if it be on the hitting the marks pro wrestling podcast at hitting marks.com, if it be the Monday locker room, hacker, NXT isn't just failing against AEW. They are failing against what was in that time slot. They are failing for USA overall. It doesn't matter who the competition is. They're failing against suits and modern family from a year ago. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, over overly played reruns of those of those series. It's going to be interesting to kind of follow this story going forward and and see just how happy Triple H is inside of this current role. Uh, what what do you think of Hunter on SmackDown doing commentary, being the cameraman, introducing the show, showing off the Performance Center? Because this is really the first time I think that the Performance Center has been viewed on that scale, isn't it? I, you know, to me, this was, I, I kind of like the approach. They needed something very different. You're using a, a little bit of that more star power inside Triple H. He's opening up the doors. So essentially, what is his baby? And he's inviting you in for a different look, a different perspective. And in time, it, where the way they're being positioned, where the hand is being forced, that's the approach they need. 
And actually, you know, I had on my notes here, I knew we were going to break in. It's obviously 316 day. We're going to be talking raw. You know, what is the approach for this? And would it generate more of a spike if we really do just focus on the history of Stone Cold tonight? Yeah, I, I am curious because like SmackDown, I think a lot of people watch SmackDown for the curiosity factor of SmackDown to see what it was going to look like to see an empty arena entire show out of the performance center. That novelty is going to wear off real quick if you're running three shows a week out of there. Absolutely. You know, in you know, Friday night, last Friday night, really, to me, I think it's comparable to week one of the XFL. Yeah. And and now now we've got Monday will be close to week two. And then, you know, from the we had NXT last week, but that's something that we're used to with NXT. But they but still the had fans. Per- they, they, they still had the yeah. performance center open. Yeah. There was still fan reaction. Absolutely. Were they were they the actual fans? Were they packing that with, uh, with people employees? we don't? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But there were people in there reacting to what was going on. That was not there Friday on SmackDown. Well, so in that case, I know most, you know, most regions, states, counties and like that. Uh, they're going to that 100 or 50 people is what they're considering a little excessive for large gatherings. Uh, but those are under certain, you know, there's are still restrictions there. I mean, those it doesn't seem that they're hitting workplaces like large manufacturers that are still up and running. So if WWE does want to pack a house like that, let's say that, you know, we get some kind of makeshift WrestleMania from the Performance Center. I mean, we still could have the audience as long as they're filling it with employees. Yeah. Uh, one thing that they do have to address, and, and I think this needs to be addressed like tonight on Monday Night Raw, and, and this is a format thing. And the one that really stood out to me was Bailey when Bailey was cutting her promo on SmackDown. She was acting like she was cutting the promo to the fans that were in attendance, dude. And it's like, there's nobody fucking there. Yeah, you have to make the adjustment. You have to talk to the camera. I realize in a WWE context, the way that this is supposed to work is the camera is there to film something that would be happening anyway. So they don't address the camera unless you're John Cena and you have a little Jim Halpert kind of moment. Shout out to the office. That's reference number two today. John Cena gets away with that. Nobody else talks to the camera. They're talking to the fans in attendance. If there are no fans in attendance, talk to the fucking camera. If you're talking to the audience, then talk to the audience. You know what? I'd even go one step further here because, you know, that's what they are taught. And they, you know, down at the performance center is what they do. They, you know, they are trained. Okay. It might not be rolling, but here's a camera in your face. These are where they're located. Pretend that this place is packed. Cut your promo. That's how you go through your training. It's how you get ready for the real show on the road. Uh, if, if they have trouble handling that where they're just talking to the camera themselves, then this is this is why you that you have all those people for those backstage segments or you have your your talking heads, your journalist or whatever. Have them sit down with Corey Graves. Have it so that there's an interaction. You can help facilitate some flow back and forth between the town and somebody else so that they don't feel like they're stuck on an island. Yeah, no, completely agree. It just really stood out to me with Bailey. And I'm sure that, you know, there's going to be a half a dozen talents do that over the course of this week. But, man, talk to the audience. Don't talk to the the invisible people that should be sitting there. Yeah, and, and you know, talking, you know, and even when we mentioned Stone Cold, the celebration tonight, I think, you know, one of the big, you know, what's going to be is we saw the novelty last week, as you mentioned, Jargo, about, okay, how is this going to look in this empty arena? How is this thing going to be presented from the performance center? I think you need to keep finding those hooks. And it might be seem like a bit of a giveaway, 
but you you need to take care of your audience right now. People need that escape. They, you're the really the only show that's a constant in town for everyone. Everything else is shut it down. Yeah. So it, you need to have a special presentation. I'd really like to see, maybe you don't give it all away, but you get a strong teaser where we get, I don't know, five, six different segments, at least two minutes in length of that sit down with, with Stone Cold and Bret Hart played throughout this show. Yeah, we will talk about the Broken Skull sessions here just a little bit later on in the show. Uh, let, first, let's hit on uh, Corona Mania. Because, uh, Rick, at this point, have you just come to the realization that WrestleMania is not happening at Raymond James Stadium on the date that it is scheduled to happen at this point? I just don't see any way it happens. Absolutely. But I'll tell you what I do find intriguing is this chess match. Now that we are seeming to get between the you know the local government, the state government, and WWE Vince McMahon themselves, yeah, it is a never-ending game of chicken right now in Tampa Bay. Uh, this is a quote from Hillsborough County Commissioner Les Miller to Fox 13 Tampa. I'm hoping that Vince McMahon and WrestleMania and WWE make the call themselves. But a week from now, if they've not done that and we're still in the situation we're in, we'll probably have to pull the plug on that. This is the big thing going on right now. And I, I will talk about Saudi Arabia because I know that you want to talk about this. But the way that this works, this is just like the Super Bowl. Cities have to bid on WrestleMania to bring WrestleMania to your town. They figure that the financial impact of WrestleMania on the local economy is going to be somewhere in the effect of like 90 to $105 million. So the city pays for the rights to host WrestleMania and then make that money on the back end. It's a contract and there's insurance in place. But the game of chicken that's going on right now is if Vince McMahon cancels, then the city of Tampa retains the insurance. If Tampa cancels, then the WWE retains the insurance. So they're basically just sitting here having a stare down in a game of chicken, seeing who's going to blink first. Uh, and absolutely. You know, and then outside of that as well, doing some diving into this thing and looking at events of, of this magnitude on this you know, on this size of this stage is you come down to if there's a, the issue of the release uh, of being able to move this thing. Yeah. And, you know, on WWE side here, if they're told that they cannot run there, it opens up, you know, the option for them to explore other possibilities. If WWE outright cancels it themselves, then we've got a little bit more of a twisted issue where you know Tampa can claim no, that still contractually is completely our our right to this event. Uh, so now we're getting into you know just outside of that of you said the stare down. Who's going to blink first between these two? Who's going to give? Who's going to give? It brings up those bigger you know those bigger questions. You know what are the possibilities of a move? I mean, could this thing be broken down to be held at the performance center? We've heard some of the rumblings that the Saudis are interested and they are willing to, you know, to fork up another huge payday that would eat into a huge chunk of that loss. Uh, and you've got to believe that they're sitting there as we're recording here. They are having serious discussions at HQ weighing all heavily weighing all these options. But it's not as easy as the WWE just saying, oh, well, we're going to cancel WrestleMania and move it to Saudi Arabia. 
Oh, understand me. I'm not just saying, you know, it's something you just make a couple of phone calls. This thing is a done deal. I mean, the logistics in this thing are, are just beyond incredible. And there's also the fact, all right, I understand that Saudi Arabia supposedly, reportedly, has offered $75 million to relocate WrestleMania to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Number one, I don't believe that, and I haven't seen it reported by any reputable source. I think that's just complete bullshit that was made up for the internet to speculate about, but that's why we're here, so we can speculate about it, right? Well, I don't think it was made up through the internet. I, I, I believe it was something that was probably floated out there by WWE. Number two, it's not worth it. I mean, $75 million is more than what Tampa Bay paid to host WrestleMania, and you're not going to get any of the economic impact back as far as Saudi Arabia is concerned. I mean, it's not like, you know, all these other shows are going to move all their shit to Saudi Arabia and all these fans from all around the world are going to fly to Saudi Arabia to go to WrestleMania. The economic impact is not there. It's incredibly overvalued. I mean, if I'm the Saudis, I'm not offering more than 10 million or 10, yeah, $10 million to bring WrestleMania over to Riyadh. The $75 million, I don't buy it. And I think it's bullshit. I think inside of the Saudi maybe mindset, they would. I believe that they would offer that up simply to show the rest of the world to say, look, that we have done this. You know, this thing was would not move outside North America. The influence and the muscle that they seemingly want to show in the world of sports entertainment seems it just absurd to me. But it is it is a reality. Uh, that this would be something for to boost their ego, something that they don't care about. You know that that economical impact that you're talking about. They don't care if it's going to, you know, boost travel or tourism or even how people perceive, you know, what's going on inside, actually in, inside of their country about their government, whatever. You know, this is just simply a, a flex move. It's a show muscle. And it, it's still inside of this. And, and then you got to believe as well inside of that contract, because we've already heard crazy you know, crazy scenarios coming out of the deals that have been set up between these two. Like if they would happen to miss a show or if WWE would fault somewhere on, on their contractual obligations that, that the Saudis would have the first right to buy the WWE for set amount or so-and-so that's what I would, that's what I would truly be worried about is the deal that they would try to bargain with you just to try to, to salvage something here uh, going forward. I, mean, I, I truly hope with everything that has been canceled, that's been canned, put on the show, and just society needing a bit of release. You know, I would be proud if somehow, some way, and explore all of those options if WWE could could pull this thing off. So what's the best way to do it, Rick? I mean, what what is, in your mind, the best way to present WrestleMania this year? And, you know, this is something I, that I wanted to talk through with you. Because what when we get to WrestleMania, it's... Is it about, do we have to get this thing off in time? Does it have to be early April? And if that is the case, uh, without making that deal with the sides, which, you know, and that's going to be trying to be blocked in, in every every feasible way uh, by every outside of, you know, component from WWE. And then there's going to be great reserve insight with inside the company about, you know, making such a drastic move itself. But if you had to break this thing down into a multi-day event and run out of the performance center, something along those lines, I mean, does that take away from the mystique? Is that still WrestleMania? Because we've come to expect and know, you know, the grandest event in professional wrestling for the pageantry. 
I mean, do, do we still get that feel, that or that vibe from it? Or is it enough to rely on, okay, we got through this thing, we had the escape, we have the feel good from it? Or do we simply pu- try to push? But inside of the push, we're still not certain when these restrictions are going to be lifted. Okay, well, I guess let me ask you this other question then. Let's assume that Drew McIntyre is supposed to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania and become the new WWE champion. How long can you drag this out until you do that? And I think, you know, it, it is going to be very taxing on creative. And, you know, it already seems that they already have them work set out for themselves just on a, on a daily course. Uh, you know, are they going to be able to stretch this thing out where they have put, pretty much just had a couple weeks of booking, a couple months lined out here since the Rumble, and now we're going to ask them to have to add, you know, six, eight, 12 weeks onto that? Uh, That's two storyline cycles in WWE speak, adding 12 weeks. Well, shit. I mean, that, that could be three or four storyline cycles with them. Yeah, it could be very easily. But do they get a pass under the circumstances right now? No, because the show still has to be watchable. You still have to retain viewers. You have to, I mean, you can't just abandon all the storylines because of the coronavirus. Like, this is a regular TV show. For God's sake, we put on a show after Owen Hart fucking died. This show is going to continue. Right, right. And that's one of the beautiful things inside of professional wrestling. Is you know it, it it truly does hold on to the belief that the show must go on. So here's my proposal: you have seven hours of television to fill every week. I do WrestleMania three hours on Monday night, two hours on Wednesday night, and two hours on Friday night, and I run it out of the Performance Center. I present all of the same matches that we would have presented at WrestleMania, if for no other sake than. Hey, we're still putting on a show. Not only are we putting on a show, we know that you're dying for entertainment. We are going to present WrestleMania over the course of three days, seven hours, and you can tune in as long as you have cable. It's not going to be pay-per-view. We're just going to present it to you, the American public. Let's rally around this American institution that is WrestleMania. And we have WrestleMania week. It's just a different WrestleMania week. Uh, I absolutely love that. Uh, I I love your concept there. And it would really hit home there, Jargons. We're talking about is making that major statement that you need to be there for society right now. And inside WWE, you know, it's just not about the American public. It's just not about the West. I mean, this is global. And this is a pandemic that is affecting the entire world obviously, because that's the definition of it. But it, it WWE could really reach a lot of people and could and really stand out as a hero in many's eyes if, if they would offer something up like that. And I think that's worth a whole lot more than $75 million from Saudi Arabia because that builds a lot of good faith yes. with the WWE that they just do not have right now. Well, and, and you're looking at, too, you're presenting what – even your networks. And, and, you know, one of the first things that came to my mind is, you know, one, and it would have to be addressed as networks bickering between NBC universal and, and Fox. Uh, but I think, you know, once, once that grander picture comes out there that, Hey, this is for the people, this is going to be that release 
to give people something, just a moment of escape that they're going to get on. They're going to get on board. And if you're the networks, I think you're really all for this because it's letting you, re, you know, recoup some of that lost advertising for what you're losing in all of these sports that are disappearing. And, and and it's not even just WrestleMania. I mean, you have to assume that Takeover is in question too, right? So you you just run the the Raw matches on Monday, the NXT matches that would have been on Takeover. You run those on Wednesday, and then on Friday you run the the main events with the SmackDown matches, and you headline the whole fucking thing with Roman versus Goldberg, and it doesn't get booed out of the building because there's no fucking people there. Well, and I think you know also. In that sense, too, people are just going to be happy to see it. Yep. In a sense of they're going to they're going to give you a pass or just maybe forget how they initially felt about the announcement. You know, it's just going to be more of a joyous situation that, okay, we we have some sort of WrestleMania. You know, maybe you could you can stretch this as well. You know, maybe you could run a Saturday night special on USA that just that is the takeover well we, we also and have the hall of fame on, that we have to well, talk I, about too I, I have I have that in here uh is if you run on Saturday you run that takeover special two hours maybe you, you trim a little bit but you run that on Saturday that's your kickoff to this whole week of Wrestlemania and then Monday Wednesday Friday is dedicated to those matches that were going to be on the Wrestlemania card and then and then instead of the traditional Hall of Fame ceremony let's take a moment or you know five to seven minutes per episode and recognize some different Hall of Fame inductees for the year yeah I'd be down with that I'd absolutely be down with that but I think the biggest thing is right now we have to move everything to Orlando and just leave everything in Orlando. Um, the biggest thing, I talked to my source down at NXT, and this is what I was told. It's not the wrestling. I'm fine with that. It's the travel that worries me. These guys don't want to go through TSA. They don't want to be getting on airplanes. It's the traveling that bothers these guys. I mean, everybody at the WWE is being tested on a, a daily basis at the shows. If you have a temperature, you're not wrestling. You have a temperature, you're not getting into the performance center. Go home. Absolutely. That's the way that this should be handled. And this is the difference, you know, where you see so many people in everywhere. And most of it is just in a jokingly fashion, but, you know, in, in a sense, sort of mocking, oh, I can't believe WWE is still going forward with this stuff. You see everyone else cancel. Why aren't they? WWE is on a different playing field here. They have an isolated venue. They can they can operate out of one spot. The main reason that you're seeing the NCAA and just not the basketball tournament, but all of their sports, all of their programs, everything they've got going on, the reason you got it in, in the NBA, that you're seeing it, Major League Baseball is postponing, is ultimately because of the territories and the widespread travel that you you must have inside of those organizations. You don't necessarily have to have that with WWE. Even, you know, with this hold off on WrestleMania, they could have cut that down to one day. That is one specific location. Now, I'm not dismissing, you know, that they, that it has its own set of issues. And there certainly is concern with people traveling in. You know, you've got, what, 65, 67 countries that represent traveling to WrestleMania. But it's still not as grand as an issue as you're looking about, you know, it, what did we figure out the other day with the NCAA men's basketball tournament? Yeah, it was like 4,200 or something like that. Yeah, that you're going to be moving around. When you when you incorporate all the teams and the coaching staff and the assistants. Right. And, 
and that's before we're getting even getting into the fans that'll be moving. Right. Yeah, that's just and you know, and in, in the NBA, you've got twenty eight teams, twenty eight different cities. The same with Major League Baseball, you know, with all their teams and their cities that are going to be traveling. That's different logistics, different issues that you're facing inside of those organizations as opposed to professional wrestling. Uh, but again, that doesn't dismiss their own issues, but they have an advantage that they have their own single location that they can operate out of. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the Hall of Fame. Uh, because I think one of the things that they could start doing over the course of these weeks, I mean, hell, they got seven hours of TV to fill, is just show me classic matches from all of the inductees. Like, just give me, like, one a week, kind of like Impact Wrestling does. We their Impact throwback or whatever. Just show me, mm-hmm. like, you know, Bret Hart versus Davey Boy Smith. Davey Boy Smith going into the Hall of Fame. There's a whole generation of people that probably never saw Davey Boy Smith wrestle, and that's a goddamn shame. Go ahead and show me the SummerSlam match. Show me Davy Boy and Brett. Well, and you know, also with that, you got a perfect pitch. I mean, you're giving people that nostalgia. You're giving people that foot that feel good, but you got a perfect pitch built in for your network. That's a great point. You know, go go see all of these. I mean, right now with everything that's happened, we've seen the decline in their and you know the subscribers to the network. You need something. And if you want to make people feel good, especially now that that you are seeing that it is starting to sweep, sweep across the land, you know, here in Ohio, it's it's already hitting very, you know, very hard to at home. Our restaurants, uh, our bars, all of those are being shut down. So, you know, people are going to be forced to stay in. They're looking for something, you know, just not to occupy their time, but to make them feel good again. Yep. And that's one of the greatest things about professional wrestling you know, at some point, they might not be fans now, but at some point, I'm going to say an overwhelming number of of our citizens were, of people were. And, and in that sense, if they're sitting there surfing the net, for a couple bucks, if you can go back and relive some of those great memories, I mean, that's what they need to be pushing right now. Yeah, absolutely. So Davey Boy gets into the Hall of Fame. Finally... It's being allowed by the family. Uh, Rick, I'm, I'm so happy to see Davey Boy finally get in. I mean, this is long overdue. This should have happened at least a decade ago. Uh, absolutely. It, it, it's one of those names that, you know, unless you know, you're inside of that bubble, inside the bubble, it's you can't believe that this is, you know, that he's just getting in. Yeah, it's one of those names that you would just assume is already in there. Uh, also, just announced this morning by Tokyo Sports, Jushin Thunder Liger inducted into the uh, 2020 WWE Hall of Fame. Got a statement here from Liger. Wow, this was really a huge surprise, which is funny because I knew about this weeks ago. There are tons of better wrestlers to give this honor to than me. After Antonio Inoki and Tatsumi Fujinami were the first two into the Hall of Fame, for me to be number three is just a huge shock. That's not fake humility. I'm not putting up a front. It's honestly how I feel. I spent my whole career just having fun. I always loved pro wrestling and just did what I loved for all these years. The thought process was just, this sounds like fun. Let's do it. And then a lot of people were willing to, well, willing to cooperate with me to make things happen. So in that sense, it feels really strange. I should be the one to be honored here. I know a big ceremony is planned. And as of right now, I'm planning to go. 
I'm looking forward to seeing Kushida, Shinsuke, and a lot of the foreign wrestlers I know, as well as some of the legends that will be there too. It really is moving to be part of such a great award. I'm quite nervous. I definitely want to live up to the Hall of Fame name and the reputation that the wrestler Jushin Thunder Liger had. I'll definitely be on my best behavior. The only thing is the speech. How are we going to do this? Does it have to be in English? Can I do it in Japanese? Apparently, Fujinami wrote a speech, got it translated into English, and then practiced it a million times. My kid speaks good English. I might put him to work so I can do the speech in English. Ah, worst comes to it, I'll just do it in Japanese. The immortal Jushin Thunder Liger, ladies and gentlemen. I thought the best thing in this whole thing was when he talks about the reputation that the wrestler Jushin Thunder Liger had. Like, it's just a completely different part of Yamada. It's crazy. But, you know, what really jumps up to me is, is you're sitting there reading that and we're kind of reflecting on you know, really what it means. And I know there are so many haters out there. Oh, well, he, you know, he only had that one match. You know, why is it going to the it, greatest you, match at, ever? <laughs> well, you know, really, you want to talk about and this is why I, I completely agree with this thing that he's getting this honor. So rightfully earned this honor is you want to captivate and educate the masses of your newer professional wrestling fans. And you're, you're just talking about showing some old matches here to help fill this time while, you know, while we're working through everything with the coronavirus. Absolutely, Juice and Thunder Lager matches should be a priority for WWE to be highlighted or just full matches shown. I mean, he is he is the superstar, the megastar that was responsible for influencing a generation that influenced today's generation. It all started with him. Yeah, and and that can't go overstated. I mean, fuck, dude wrestled in the first match on Nitro. Right, show us that match. Show me Brian Pillman versus Jushin fucking Thunder Liger. The influence from the East, that even from the East that he had to, to touch the styles of those of a Rey Mysterio, of an Eddie Guerrero, of a Dean Malenko. I mean, all of those people. They thought that, that there was that ceiling. There was a trailblazer in Liger that showed, you know, that showed that way that you could work, you know, that, that high impact, that high flying style, but mix in the philosophies and the psychologies that are the fundamentals of professional wrestling. If you want to excite and educate the masses, this is a way to do this. So with with Liger going in here, he, now he's always going to have that tie-in where he is going to be highlighted on that platform with the network. So that from now, you know, ages from now, generations are going to be able to follow his work and understand you now how truly great he was. And if you haven't seen Jushin Thunder Liger versus Tyler Breeze from Takeover New York, greatest match ever. Uh, let's talk about High Spots, Huckleberry. Um, High Spots is one of those companies that doesn't get nearly enough credit, um, but I want to give them a shout out here on the show today uh, because they promote a ton of independent wrestling and they don't ask for a whole lot. Um, the owner of this thing, Michael, uh, he, he owns High Spots. He's also running WrestleCon, which is, of course, in 
it, it's not going to happen. I let, let's just face it, it's not going to happen. And dude's talking about he might have to sell his house out of this deal. I, I absolutely believe this one hundred percent. You know, and it's you can look across you know across the country, and I, and I'm sure this is you know that it's spilling into Canada, and I'm sure that you're seeing the same impact over in the UK. You know, anywhere that that you really have not even a hotbed, but anywhere that you have independent wrestling. I know here in Ohio, all of our shows have been put on hiatus until at least May 1st. Uh, And you talk about booking after booking that you're seeing talents, you know, that they are losing here. And it might not be a lot, but it adds up and it is their livelihoods. Now you get to a promoter like this, someone that has truly invested, uh, you know, themselves, their livelihood inside of independent wrestling. And the commitment that they made to to set up, to have the opportunity, the potential to have success at running a show around WrestleMania and now to have that gone. Uh, all those funds, you know, there isn't going to be, you know, we were talking about those insurance policies for WWE or all these businesses that are going to be filing for some, you know, some, some business, you know, government assistance, business bailouts. That's not going to be there for everybody. And in large part, that's not going to be there for professional wrestling and for those promoters. And they're going to take it on the chin here. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking for some wrestling to watch while everything is kind of down, feel free. Go over to highspots.com. Check out their library. All kinds of great stuff to watch on there. Um, And another one I wanted to throw out there, kind of along the same lines, AAW, which, Rick, I know you went to an AAW show up around All In when we were in Chicago, along with uh, our our, our nice little friend up there, Mr. Adam Riviera. AAWondemand.com right now you can get a 30-day free trial 16 years of archives featuring the likes of former champions Kevin Owens Seth Rollins Sammy Callahan Pentagon Jr. AAW is one of the most high-end independent pro wrestling shows I've ever seen I put them right up there with PWG oh yeah which you can find on highspots.com yeah, I'd say, you know, and there's there's so many streaming services out there for different independents. Do some homework. Get out there. If you truly love professional wrestling and you want to help support it at its very base uh, and continue to help it grow, you know, those that, that aren't going to be thriving right now, they're, they're not going to survive. So we need to be there for support. Go out there. Just, you know, any of the services. They're usually very, very cheap. We're talking a couple bucks, under $5. Uh, and you can pick up some great content, and, and so many of them have had tremendous talents come through their doors throughout the years. And go back and watch some of these, you know, today's superstars as they were, you know, kind of, you know, just dipping their toe in the pool. AAW, especially like the last five, six years, really seems like it's kind of the the, the new version of Ring of Honor. Like it's that real hot, hot upstart indie company that nobody kind of seen coming that is just putting out all these incredible matches up in Chicago. Highly recommend checking that out. Um, Another one for you to check out today if you're looking for some pro wrestling, Huckleberry, Will Ospreay is throwing a show today because he's bored. So what he did is he called up a bunch of his British friends and they got a camera crew together and you can watch this thing on YouTube today if you just type in WrestleTalk on YouTube. It's going down at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Here's the card. David Starr versus Callum Newman. I hate David Starr. I hate him with a passion, but I love seeing him get his ass kicked, so I'm pulling for Newman in that one. 
Kyle Fletcher versus Connor Mills, Lucas Steele and Nathan Cruz versus Robbie X and Scotty Davis, the OJMO versus Paul Robinson, Giselle Shaw versus Aaliyah James versus Mercedes Blaze. Then we have a Scramble of Doom match, which has me intrigued. Malik versus Paul Sayers versus Adam Maxted versus Chuck Cyrus versus Carlos Romo. And then your big main event. And Huckleberry, I cannot wait to see this. This is domestic violence personified. As the creator of the show himself, the aerial assassin Will Ospreay takes on his fucking girlfriend, B. Priestley of AEW fame. I can't wait to see this match because I'm sure it's going to be absolutely fucking insane. Yeah, it's up to Bob. This is certainly something. If if you got if you got some free time this afternoon or catch the replays, this is probably going to be. It might not be for everyone's taste, we you know, but sit back and have fun with it. It should be fun. Just Will Osprey and a bunch of his friends putting on a wrestling show. Also, visit WrestleTalkMerch.com and get your support wrestling screw coronavirus T-shirt because yeah. That's a thing. Shout out to our boy, Will Ospreay. Uh, MLW, episode 101, Filthy Tom Lawler versus Killer Fucking Cross. Yeah, that's a real thing. Go to YouTube right now. Check that out. Also on that show, Myron Reed and Laredo Kid square off for the MLW World Middleweight Championship, as well as Gino Medina versus Mance Warner. Um, Huckleberry, a couple different aspects to look at here. Number one, Filthy Tom Lawler versus Killer Fucking Cross. And then there's, oh yeah, coronavirus bullshit as MLW has shut down their live events for 45 days. Yeah, again, you know, it's just widespread. Everyone feeling the effect here. It's... And it's, you know, then those are minimal dates that we're hearing too. I mean, we have no really, no clue, you know, when things are going to be back up fully functional. You know, I wonder if some of these smaller companies like a ring of honor MLW, if they shouldn't just do what the NWA is doing with the studio show. Like I, I'm not worried about NWA power at all. Very good point. I mean, at least you're still getting some kind of product out there. Uh, you know, you're you're staying at the forefront of this. You're you're staying in front of the eyes of these viewers, and and even in a time like this, you know, is some of the meetings that you know that I've had just outside of professional wrestling. As as I'm sitting here, you know, as as we wrap up recording here, I'm going to get ready to be heading into meetings, and one of the you know, in each and every client that I meet with is going to be that's the top point is how do we stand out? How do we remain not just relevant but at the forefront? Uh, at this time where, you know, that our communities are going to need us. If you're ROH, would you run shows out of the dojo? Just set up like a, a hard cam and, and just tape TV there. I absolutely would, you know, or, or I'm looking at, you know what people really, and especially those that are going to be turning towards professional wrestling right now, I think you really got to look at their interest. And, and, and people like insight. So without exposing too much, uh, you know, go in and give us some real specials. Give us some in-depth exclusives uh, instead of just, you know, kind of just showing us like a practice routine. So let's go ahead. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. It's your Monday Night Raw preview. Of course, everything being headlined tonight by Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is just crazy that I get to say that in 2020. But Huckleberry, even more crazy, along with the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, 
is also going to be Bret Hart. Yeah, Bret Hart's going to be on the Broken Skull Sessions immediately following Monday Night Raw tonight. I'm actually looking forward to seeing Stone Cold sit down with Bret Hart. Bret Hart, who does not hesitate to pull shots at the WWE whenever he can. Absolutely. And you get these two personalities together, especially with the history that they've had. Uh, and, you know, just from being working together on the WWE side to then being opposed to one another. And you, and you really, when we were talking, you know, earlier about the the ifs and buts involving and, you know, just everything that, you know, the planets just perfectly aligning for Stone Cold. So much that you got to give credit to that is Bret Hart and getting him over. And it really helping the the build of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that really, you know, when he was starting to really you pick up that momentum, he really hit that that main event megastar gear thanks to Bret Hart. I think it's going to be tremendous to hear these two and what they have to say. And again, if I'm WWE, I'm at least teasing this thing throughout the three-hour program. And, and that's and not just running, hey, stick around, get the network. I'm showing five to six two-minute clips of this thing throughout the evening. Also on tonight's show, Undertaker and AJ Styles going to have a contract signing. If I was them, I would do that as a pre-tape and just make it really, really cool because I don't I don't even want to see The Undertaker and AJ Styles in the same place at the same time. I, I absolutely expect this is going to be the most humanizing Undertaker that we have ever seen. They might as well call him Mean Mark Calloway versus AJ Styles in the empty arena match at WrestleMania, because after AJ came out and was talking about the wife and all that shit. Nope. You're not getting the character of the undertaker. You're, you're getting mean Mark. Well, outside it's just not mean Mark. I mean, the way, but that's my first, that was my initial thought as well. And it was my first comment over the live discussion on the Hameen media discussion group on Facebook was okay. This screams American badass to me. Yeah. I, I mean, you're you're too. you're attacking this man's family. You're attacking his wife. This ain't the mystique of the dead man burying you. This is you just getting your ass kicked. Yep, coming for a fight. It, it, but now with these with the different situation that we're presented with, and you are right, Trevor. I, I don't know if I want to see them face to face. Uh, I I would kind of you know if you're gonna go with the American badass, let's hold off on that. Let's let's keep that. Let's let's hold that card close to to our hearts right now. Let's let's play that hand later. I, I would I don't need the Undertaker here. I'd have AJ out there, you know, just being over the top cocky that we've seen from him lately, which I'm absolutely loving his work right now. I think he's absolutely he's absolutely hitting that mark. Uh, ain't no pun intended either with the Undertaker and shit. But uh, I'd like to see just that that whole performance center just get flooded with with druids. How many ever are allowed? 99 of them, so we don't go over the 100 or whatever the hell it is for large gatherings. But And have the Druids and have them deliver the contract already signed in blood. Oh, see, that's that's way too cool. That's way too cool for WWE. We know better than that. <laughs> we know better. Uh, also tonight on Monday Night Raw, Edge returns to Monday Night Raw again. Uh, we, we saw Edge last week. He came out and he basically lost his shit. Like this is where it would be really nice to have some kind of an authority figure to like I, that that segment drove me absolutely crazy last week. It, that was so bad. I just I didn't like it. 
It's just the wrong feeling. Like it, it's so bad. I, 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 so what you're what you're telling me is, and, and come on, let's let's put ourselves in a reality based situation here. If someone puts their hands, you know, on on anyone that's close to you, let alone your wife, and you and this goes back. You know, last week we were talking about this. We were pitching that they should have had Edge on the hunt going to live events. You know, take it to social media. Let Rand, go to Randy's house. Let him know I'm hunting for you, you son of a bitch. But have that snake just slithering away always hiding in the shadows one step ahead of edge as edge is on the hunt but even to further drive that home last week we don't even get edge to open it he's taking his sweet ass time to get to that arena yeah i just i didn't understand it, it just felt so it's the first time this storyline has felt very disconnected to me yeah and then all that garbage with with mvp inside the ring now the thing that i wonder about with all these guys, right? So, you, I mean, look at who's advertised for Raw tonight, right? You have Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Edge. Like, well, what the fuck is this? Like, 2001? My God. Um, All these guys. How is this going to work in an empty arena? Like, it, it, can you think of three performers that thrive more off crowd interaction than Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and Edge? Absolutely. And, you know, that's part of the reason that I'd like to see more. I think on this show, less of current day Stone Cold is going to be a lot more. And then more of old, you know, just those highlights, those memories is going to go even further. Yeah, totally. it's, it's going to be very interesting how they present this thing. And, and I'm with you going back to your point of I'm hoping this is a lot of pre-tape. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they put out tonight. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite, which, Rick, sounds like it is incredibly in question at this point. Um, originally, the plan was they had relocated this show to Daly's Plaza in Jacksonville, but now it sounds like the city government of Jacksonville and possibly even the state of Florida is stepping in and kind of saying, yeah, no, that's not going to happen either. They may be on the look for a second venue for this show or a third venue, as the case may be. Wasn't it? I mean, isn't this chosen because this is what the property from Jacksonville, from the Jaguars? Right. But the entertainment district that it is located in is basically being shut down. Well, I mean, at this point, couldn't they just kind of resort to you know, the same strategies being employed by WWE. You would think, but you know, I mean, it is, government. it's your, it's your facility. Yeah. It, yeah. The craziest part of this whole thing is basically the way that the United States feels right now is it's like you're under martial law, but it's for your own good. And it's not called martial law. That's kind of how it feels. It's it's a very perplexing situation here, and I know there has to be safety precautions taken. But it, it, when you get to this point where you're it, you're going, it, it seems like they're just skipping steps without taking yeah. you know certain measures to get to that destination. We're just jumping right on full board on this thing, and as a society, you know, individuals aren't prepared for this, and, and you have to take that into a consideration. And as I said, it, what you're really achieving here is. You're inducing a massive panic instead of allowing our society to ease into this situation. Yep. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. So let's talk about what they have advertised for Dynamite, assuming that Dynamite happens as a live show. Best friends with Orange Cassidy take on the Lucha Bros with Pac. 
Rick, the more and more they keep doing this kind of stuff, because, I mean, in our next match, we're going to talk about the Exalted one debuting. So you have like a Dark Order and SCU kind of thing going on. Everything is just screaming trios titles to me. Are we continuing to build towards there? Are we going back to a bigger picture that, you know, and I've seen some rumblings of this, but you were the first one to make mention of this. I mean, this is going back months and months before really the birth of dynamite, the factions, and that is the factions. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how they've kind of laid everything out. And I would say, I, I would certainly, I would hope that if they go towards the trios, we do not need a championship for it again, you know, hashtag no more belts. And we've laid out those reasons because, you know, not just the, we don't need any more shiny keys or with these, you know, lowest common booking to try to, you know, people up on a pedestal make them seem more important we've got over all those things you're trying to bolster already the divisions you have you need to focus on those so no more of the belts there but maybe a, a special you know maybe this could be a feature attraction for them you know the one night trios tournament Ooh, I, I could get behind that uh is this Pac versus orange cassidy feud like is this worth keeping going like how many weeks have we seen this now well, you definitely got to feel bad for Pac at this point. It just seems that he keeps finding himself in these situations where he's running in quicksand, Man. where they have something they have something for him, but he's absolutely going nowhere. But for the time being, the audience and those that are truly tuned in to, to Dynamite and AEW, they seem to still be on board with this thing full throttle. So, you know, I, I guess keep going to the well, especially especially now when you're not entirely sure what the hell, you know, what is going on. What is your stance with these arenas? How long are you going to be shut down here? If I'm AEW, you know, we're talking about how WWE has that fallback, how they have that facility. They can operate everything out of the performance center. They can, can they can maintain going on here. But Jargo, you know, on the surface, AEW doesn't have that. Could you see them making a shift to more of a, a style that we see from, you know, being the elite or the road twos? Yeah, I've thought about that as well. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad idea. Even if you just cut down the actual wrestling content, like if you, if you could just find a place and go in, like say that you hold a taping, if you're figuring this thing's going to go for four weeks and just record like eight matches in front of no audience and then just kind of weave them throughout the four weeks and then give us a bunch of these video packages. I mean, they do killer video packages that 90% of the audience never sees. Now's a great time to show them to people. Absolutely. You know what I really get behind here? Uh, I want to see like a post-apocalyptic, you know, zombie land, last man on earth sort of like layout scenario, but it's Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker and, they're traveling across the country looking for a Starbucks that's actually open. That's fantastic. I like it. Speaking of post-apocalyptic, one thing that you could do, just film a whole bunch of shit from the Hardy compound. The Exalted One is scheduled to debut this week on AEW Dynamite. On AEW Dark this week, it's going to be Christopher Daniels versus Stu Grayson. Huckleberry, what, why not just film at the Hardys? Just kind of have uh, exalted one kind of take take control, take the reins. Yeah, like, and, and just fuck it. let's go full on lucha underground for the next month. You, you've got a show called Dark, right? And just maybe it makes sense to have the Dark Order take it over and then invade TNT. Yeah, I mean, why not? Right? What do you got to lose at this point? 
I mean, if operation is shut down, why not? And again, you know, it's not just about being present. It's about being at the forefront. Absolutely. What are you doing to stand out in a time where you could pull a lot of eyes in your direction? Butcher and the Blade take on Jurassic Express. And then you also have your Blood and Guts Advantage match. Um, assuming that Blood and Guts, you know, we don't know what the status of that is. And you need a pretty good size arena if you're going to run two rings in a giant steel cage. Or you just have a giant field next to a lake. A lake of reincarnation match? That could be fun. That could be fun. Let's talk about NXT as we wrap things up this week. Full Sail has canceled all group events, at least until April. NXT has now moved to the Performance Center for the immediate future. This week on NXT, we are going to see Adam Cole's championship party, baby. All because Adam Cole has broken Finn Balor's record as the longest reigning NXT champion in history. Huckleberry, you excited for Adam Cole's party, baby? We're going to see, you know. We're going to see what he can get done. I saw that he was out partying with his brother for his brother's birthday, so at least he got a little family time in. Genetics Uh, are strong in that family. Holy God. Why everything's going on here, but it's going to be interesting, you know, certainly to see the presentation coming up there next couple weeks and and how all of these wrestling companies, you know, top to bottom from, you know, from the indie down the street to the biggest company in the world, WWE and all spots in between how how they're going to operate here. Uh, But I guess, you know, one of the biggest questions I wanted to have coming out of this program here, Jargo, all these cancellations, all these scares. Now, you've already gone out there and said you were done the day after WrestleMania. What if there is no WrestleMania? I don't know. I don't know. I've thought about that too. I don't know. Are, are you are you happen. in are you are you in a limbo? Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm stuck in podcast limbo. It's 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 kind of weird right now. I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> well, you know, it, so how everything that trickle down effect. If you're in a limbo, you know that has me on on hold. For my trip back to our performance center, back to the bunker for the rebranding of RBV. Man, see? This damn coronavirus, it's screwing everything up. Uh, the only thing that I don't want to see out of Adam Cole's championship party is I I, I don't want to see Velveteen Dream coming out of a cake. Because I'm terrified that Velveteen Dream is going to come out of a cake. Is this a real possibility? Oh, God. I, I hadn't considered that, but yes. Somebody I would like to see come out of a cake. Candice LeRae, one tough cupcake. She's going to take on Mercedes Martinez to qualify for the TakeOver number one contenders ladder match. Uh, Rick, I'm going to repeat that. Candice LeRae versus Mercedes Martinez on national fucking TV. Yes, please. Headline it. I'm 100% down with that one. That, That might be a match for the darlings, but you know what? The hell with you. I'm one of the darlings for this match. Fuck yes. And, and I'm just terrified that they're going to give them like seven minutes with a commercial break in the middle. You know? I just, I just don't seem to treat either one of them with the respect that you would think they do. All, already qualified for the TakeOver number one contenders ladder match, which is basically money in the bank. Tegan Knox, Mia Yim, and Chelsea Green. Huckleberry, this is what happens when you have Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair booked for WrestleMania. You get a Money in the Bank number one contender women's ladder match for TakeOver. Tegan Knox, Mia Yim, Chelsea Green, either Candice 
or Mercedes. Does that do it for you for a takeover match? Well, I, I think, you know, it's, I'm grateful that these ladies are getting an opportunity to shine here on the takeover. Uh, they're going to have a spot here to really step up and show that, you know, that they could carry this, this division going forward. And I think there's already some tremendous talent involved with this thing. I'm uh, just looking to see, you know, who they're going to add to it. You put Mercedes over, right? This, this is the Natalia syndrome where, where you need that veteran who can be in the ring and kind of call this thing and manage the train wreck. That's Mercedes Martinez, isn't it? I'm actually, I'm very surprised that, that they're putting these two in a qualifying match. You know, I thought they would be a given for both of them to be inside of that match. For that same reason. Uh, just for, for the same very reasons. You're talking about the qualities that they bring, you know, to any a match that they're going to be in. We really, we look overall, you look at those two trying to qualify, Candice, uh, Mercedes, even Tegan, how young she is, uh, Mia, Chelsea Green. I immediately, that would be my SmackDown women's roster. Right? That's a hell of a lot better than what they got on SmackDown right now. And, and here's the problem. You could take all of them away from NXT and still go to the cupboard and have a, one hell of a roster for NXT. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I think they're kind of relying on Mia Yim to be that other kind of general in the match, which is a little bit terrifying. Uh, I have to assume that somehow EO finds her way into this, right? So she can moonsault off the fucking ladder. Is she dealing with an injury? Oh, that could be. That very well could be. It wouldn't surprise me. I, 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 I could be wrong, but I, I thought I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've seen that. And then we got Bianca Belair. I mean, she's out there. You got, yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll get more fallout between Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Huckleberry, what did you think of them basically destroying the Performance Center last week on NXT? Oh, that was a pretty good finish. And I think it would really set that off as you could tell that different vibe in that audience. Uh, but there still is something just in that production, how they're shooting it, even from there, it doesn't seem as dramatic at times. Uh, but I think it was a nice payoff to get that table spot at the very end there, even though maybe up to, as we're pushing towards the edge, wasn't as thrilling potentially as it could have been. Is it just because we've seen so much out of these two already? No, I just think it could have been anyone there. It was just really in the presentation to me. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about Finn and Walter. Uh, Finn and Walter bringing the UK flavor to take over. You lose the women's championship to WrestleMania, so you have a number one contenders match. Well, we need another championship match on the show, so fuck it. The UK title's on the line. It's going to be Finn Balor versus Walter. Huckleberry, what are you thinking of the build of this thing? Because I thought Finn Balor just knocked it out of the freaking park on NXT UK last week. That's right. I actually went and watched it only because Finn Balor was on the episode. Well, you know, at the, when this thing was starting to really get going here, I, I it took me a little bit to to get warmed up to it, as I felt that they they really don't have a direction with Finn Balor. And you were talking earlier, Jargo, about how he was brought in. He is that hired gun that was meant to make that immediate impact for for NXT as they made the ship to USA. But I, you know, I don't think it's so much the star power of Finn Balor here. It's I don't think that they have they've really gone the distance to fully utilize him in the eyes of the fans. Now, I, I still think that they're missing out not having him in the main the main event picture, chasing that title. But I do have to say, I'm coming around on this. I think they have invested themselves. I've loved the build. There's some intrigue between these two. I don't know if it's quite demon-esque yet, uh, but I think they're trying to get to that point. Would you make the, would you make the title switch? 
I mean, could you believe that Finn Balor would win that championship from Walter? I could buy into that. And I I think, you know, that might be something. uh, Then again, how are you going to manage these two brands going forward? You know, what is that global connection? Are we going to just move Finn? Are are we going again to hope that people follow him to another program? Are we going to see him interacting back and forth so that these two versions of NXT give one another the rub? Uh, Or is this just really something, you know, as you've said before, okay, we've lost the women's championship match. We need something else to fill that void. Uh, Let's go ahead and use the UK, give that a little bit of exposure, keep rolling forward with Walter. Uh, You know, another thing here we have to look at You've got two separate sets of operations between these brands, between these two sets of NXTs. Does it present any travel of someone trying to go back and forth? Yeah, I I think that's a real consideration at this point. You know, we've seen them on television. Did he travel back out? Is he traveling back out? I'm unaware of that. Or is he placed here? Uh, and then once needed, he'll go back to the UK for those tapings. Well, and the other thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, when it comes to private international travel, I don't know how restricted that is because we all know that the WWE has a private corporate jet. Like, how hard is it to throw Finn Balor on that and fly him over to the UK all by himself? I understand. We're talking about a completely different set of issues and regulations that are going to come into play when you're handling you know, private to public commercial. Uh, but there's still going to be issues there. And you're still going to have that different testing. And then you, you're really talking about putting a lot of pressure on an individual. Uh, just out of the sound of, you know, the professional aspect, just personally on them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And it's, and it's not like the NXT UK is running a show every night. You no, know, it's not like they're on live tour. They've got the set of tapings and all that. So that, again, you know, it's just, you know, those are just some questions that we should be asking. When this match was booked, I just thought that it was needless filler. Like, it should be a good match, but, you know, we don't have the women's title on this takeover, so we wanted another title match. So, okay, we'll do Finn Balor versus Walter. Cool. It'll it'll be a good match. Walter retains. And I think that's where my disconnect was a little bit. But I, I will give them the credit that I, I believe, you know, it's not always about the destination. It's about the journey. And they have added some intrigue. And they're, they're drumming up some, you know, some true interest and investment inside this match. Well, here's my thing. Has Finn Balor lost since he went back to NXT and reinvented himself as this, you know, uh, the, the, the badass not, prince? Not necessarily. I don't, I, that multi-person match he lost, correct? Okay, but I but he wasn't involved in the finish at all. Right, right, right. He hasn't been put down, so he hasn't, He hasn't been I pinned guess. or submitted. Yes. Do you think that they want to have Walter put him down, or do you do something where, like, you get a schmas finish. Imperium like basically jumps in the ring, takes out Finn, and suddenly Finn's got to find some friends. And again, I see. I, to me, that's you're losing your direction of what you've reinvented him with from that day one. Yeah, unless it's God. You know, unless you are building for. Okay, with that, yes, I. Have I mean, fully... I mean, if you had something with that kind of a connection. Yes. It could work. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, I don't even want to see him, like, showing up with the OC. No. I, I think that would cause, you know, that would cause a little pop for them. But I, I just don't see that it's a, a good long, long-term long move. No, I, I agree with you. Um, or, again, though, does he does Walter put down the man 
Then we go to that next match with the demon. Yeah, that's an interesting point, too. Yeah, get behind me that. Uh, let's talk about the main event. Uh, Austin Theory wants to get his ass kicked, is what's going on. Rick, we, we've been talking quite a bit about Austin Theory. In fact, you and I both thought that Austin Theory was basically dead and fucking buried when Tommaso Ciampa just put the freaking boots to him. I mean, just ended this freaking kid. Like, he was absolutely nothing hell we even pitched that he go back to the performance center and get completely repackaged well that's kind of happened but not really i let's let's throw it over to this piece of audio with tyler and austin theory you've seen this place grow since day one and we're currently at one of the training rings what does the pc mean to you you know we hear all the time about this first class that built the performance center in reality the performance center built us there would be no Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze wouldn't exist without the Performance Center. So, you know, it's... Tyler Breeze, Austin Theory. Look, I just want to say I'm a huge fan. I mean, I used to watch you on Breaking Ground. I mean, that was when I was in high school, though. But look, I'm not trying to disrespect you. Look, the WWE Performance Center builds superstars, but it also can make people megastars. And as that is a high level of superstardom, some people just don't really pan out to that. Just take a photo of me? Yeah. You look great for a flash in the pan. So, Rick, a couple pieces of uh, information stand out to me there. Number one, Austin Theory does, in fact, have a new look. It looks like he's almost hit puberty at this point. He's trying to grow a beard. It's not working out so well for him. But he, he seems like he's actually got a pair of balls on him right now. Like, who in the fuck is Austin Theory to come up and be talking shit to Tyler Breeze, a, a 10-year veteran of the WWE at this point? Uh, should we just start calling him uh, Breezy Rebuild at this point? I mean, I, clearly, I, I, I see what's happening here, and I don't like it. They're, they're, they, they're using Tyler as a gatekeeper now. That's what's going on here. And I just... Do you think Tyler can get that match out of Austin Theory, or do you think that we were right to begin with, and we should just repackage this kid? Well, I, I think if, if you're going to take that chance, then Tyler Breeze absolutely is the right opponent. And I, I know as a, as a true diehard fan, uh, he is your favorite within the company. You've come to terms long ago with his role. You've come to appreciate that. So when he can do this for a young talent like an Austin Theory or when he can go to and do something for a visiting mega star like a Liger you know anywhere that, that, that Breeze can contribute you appreciate that and that's what you know what, what a true fan someone that's going to support a superstar that's what they do Jargo and it, so thank you for that thank you for being a true fan to, to being that that shiny example for others that continually said well I, they should be pushed to the top they're missing out on that's not the role for everybody did you uh, did you see Tyler own that fucking mark on Twitter the other day? Absolutely. I, that's where I was getting to, and I wanted to put him over for this thing. Uh, you know, to paraphrase, you know, somebody talking about how how Tyler should what leave and how they've wasted his career. And Breeze just came back like, yeah, I guess you know this this fortune that I've amassed and been with the company for ten years. I could retire tomorrow. I own four houses, my own wrestling school. Uh, you know, basically, yes. I'm good. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, it was yeah, great. Well, it, 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 what, what it really is about is, and it's just not professional wrestling. 
you, you got Mark Tards in all walks of life. I mean, we see this in you know the NFL, all all sports, all of this uh, that they that, that fans think because they you know they can't reach that level that they would gladly just you know give every bit of their being for an opportunity to smell a jock strap. That everyone should feel that way. They have to realize these are careers for these individuals. This is their profession. This is how that they are going to provide for themselves, for their family. Just not, just not today. Not just for the immediate future, but long term for generations. And those that are wise in their choices, obviously here, as long as he's telling us the truth. In most cases, we know he is because I mean it's something you can look up, and we know he has the school and all that. Uh, that he has made the right, he's made the right choices. You look at somebody, if, if they have handled themselves right, just sit there and think about, you know, the fortune that someone like a Zach Ryder is sitting on. Uh, you know, how well off did someone in our truth that we would sit there and look, oh, they don't ever get on TV. They're, they're jobbers. They're getting squashed. But look how long they've been with this company. Look what the, the contributions they've made to this business and what's been given back to them, what they have earned through this business that is going to set them up for their lives. That's what it's about. That's what anyone's career is about. So get over yourselves on this, you damn Mark Tards. I guess my thing with Tyler, Tyler has been with the company for 10 years at this point, right? He's only 32. He's only 32 years old. He's the same age as Kazuchika Okada. And they're using him in a gatekeeper role? I just feel like he could be worth so much more to the company. I understand that he's happy doing what he's doing, and I'm happy for him that he's doing what he's doing. I just feel like there's so much untapped potential when it comes to Tyler Breeze. And for anybody who doesn't know, yes, if you want to know how good Tyler Breeze is, when you see this match with Austin Theory, it's going to be the best Austin Theory match that you've ever seen. And it's not going to have a fucking thing to do with Austin Theory. That's just how goddamn good Tyler Breeze is. Cassius Ono does the same fucking thing. Candice LeRae does the same fucking thing. Mercedes Martinez, you can bet your ass, is going to be doing the same fucking thing. And that's just frustrating as shit for me. Because I feel like they should all be you know, at least the top of that second tier. I don't think any of them are main event talents. But they should at least be in that intercontinental challenging for a world title mix because they're that good. You know what's crazy to think about when you when you someone like a Tyler Breeze and the success he's having at 32 years old, someone like a Zach Ryder, you know, how long they've been with the company, and you're hoping that they're financially successful, that they, that they have been planning for their future. When they get to be in their 70s, they'll probably have a much finer quality of life than some of the all-time legends that we talk about inside like a Hulk Hogan and a Ric Flair. And you can bet your ass that that's the reason that people like this are agreeing to be these gatekeepers because they're looking at life after wrestling and like Tyler already runs a school. You can bet your ass. He would love to be, you know, one of the head coaches at NXT one day, a job that he could have for the next fuck 35 years. Well, even if you're talking about how young he is, let's say that he would make that transition in the next couple of years. So at 35, he's taken on more of a trainer's role to performance center. He's got an edge there because he still has a serious connect with those younger talents coming in. Absolutely. At, at 35, you're, be, you're able to relate to those 20 something year olds. 
and you're able to let them know, hey, I started here at the ground up at your age. I've experienced this. I mean, that is a wealth of knowledge that is going to, you know, give him such an advantage over, you know, sitting there at this point, you know, other trainers that might be up in, you know, 10 years old or 45, 50 that are going to have that disconnect with those younger talents. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see where Tyler's career goes forward. And of course, you know, one of the most iconic matches of all time, Tyler Breeze and Jushin Thunder Liger take over New York. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button and then visit the other platform you may not be listening to yet, whether it be the Hitting the Marks podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com, or Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Be sure that you visit our friends over at thegorillaposition.com, where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Last word on prowrestling.com and ndpw.com for all the latest cancellations, what's going on, everybody's losing their freaking mind and going out and buying toilet paper. Okay, they don't talk about the toilet paper part, but you know what exactly what I mean. Um, it's going to be a crazy few days as we get even closer to Corona Mania. Until then, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo RBV. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the corona-induced find you? Well, you can keep up with me, Rick Baker, across all social media platforms, and I will be uh, posting, tweeting, drinking, and eating from the great state, the Hoosier state <laughs> of Indiana. Happy 316. Have a safe St. Patrick's Day. We'll talk to you next week right back here in the locker room. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya. Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. You bad guy.
always live that life. I fucked your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy.